This is episode number 283 with Turia Pitt. Welcome to the Melissa Ambrosini Show. I'm your host, Melissa, best-selling author of Mastering Your Mean Girl and Open Wide. And I'm here to remind you that love is sexy, healthy is liberating, and wealthy isn't a dirty word. Each week, I'll be getting up close and personal with thought leaders from around the globe, as well as your weekly dose of motivation so that you can create epic change in your own life and become the best version of yourself possible. Are you ready, beautiful? If you want to listen to my episodes one day earlier than they are released anywhere else, you have to download the app Himalaya and follow my show. Himalaya is free, super easy to use, and has every podcast you can think of. I love that you can leave comments under each episode and even create episode playlists. Make sure you check it out today. Victoria Pitt is living proof that with the right mindset, anything is possible. Caught in a grass fire while competing in a 100-kilometer ultramarathon in 2011, Turia suffered full-thickness burns to 65% of her body. But surviving is the least of her achievements. One of Australia's most admired and widely recognized people, Turia has gone on to become a best-selling author, two-time Ironman and humanitarian, raising well over a million dollars for not-for-profit Interplast. Through her online presence, books, and online programs, Turia has inspired millions to live with more confidence, drop their fears, and smash epic goals. And in today's episode, which you are going to be so inspired by, we chat about how breaking down your goals can help you feel less overwhelmed, We also talk about the tools Turia used to prevent herself from giving up when she wanted to, why everyone should feel proud of their own achievements and savor them before moving on, the best friend talk, how kindness and empathy will help you deal with your inner critic, her advice to anyone who is struggling and going through a challenging time, how motherhood has changed her for the better, how to find your tribe, why self-improvement is not a 24-7 task, the importance of play and how it can impact your productivity, plus so much more. And for everything that Turi and I mentioned in today's episode, you can check out in the show notes. And that is over at melissarambrosini.com forward slash 283. And before we dive into this super inspiring conversation, I want to read the review of the week. And this week, it comes from Charlie's, and it's a five-star review titled, Cracking Open the Secrets to Living. And she says, truly, Melissa's podcasts deliver consistently fascinating content from a range of thought leaders on topics geared towards living a beautiful, healthy life. The information delivered provides clear directions and guidance on strategies for nourishing your mind, body, and soul. There's something for everyone. Thank you, Charlize, for this beautiful review. I'm so grateful. And as a little thank you, I want to gift you my wildly wealthy guided meditation. All you have to do is email me a screenshot of your review to hello at melissarambrosini.com. 
and I will gift you my wildly wealthy guided meditation. I will gift it to anyone who leaves me a review and sends in a screenshot of the review. So if you want my wildly wealthy guided meditation, go and do that now. And if you want my bursting with love guided meditation, you can leave a review on Amazon for Mastering Your Mean Girl or Open Wide or both. And again, send me a screenshot and I will send those guided meditations your way as a little thank you for taking the time to leave me a review. It really does help the podcast and the books get into the hands and the ears of the right people. So thank you so much in advance. And now without further ado, let's bring on the super inspiring Turia Pitt. Beautiful Turia, I am so excited to have you on the show. It's been a long time coming. But before we dive in, can you tell us what you had for breakfast this morning? Good morning, Melissa. Thank you for having me. This morning, when my husband grows honey, probably he doesn't grow it, the bees not make honey. <laughs> so I had honey on toast this morning. It was really, really lovely. Oh, that is so delicious. I love honey. It's amazing. I'm so excited to have you on the show. We have been trying to do this podcast for so long and we're finally here and you have so much wisdom and knowledge to share, which I can't wait to dive into because we've all experienced adversity to varying degrees. But can you tell us about, you know, the time that you had to overcome one of the hardest things that you have ever experienced and how you did it? What were the tools, the mindset hacks, and the tips that you used to support yourself to get through that time? Yeah, that's a very big question. So I guess I got I got badly burned during an ultramarathon in 2011, and I was placed in an induced coma, and I woke up around a month later in hospital. And I think I, I always get asked if the fire was the hardest thing about my whole journey and it actually wasn't. It was the process of rebuilding my life in hospital. And I remember once a physiotherapist came into my room and he said, today's the day that we're going to learn how to stand up. And he grabbed me by my shoulders and he pulled me up in bed and he, he brought me to my feet. And I just remember sobbing and crying all over his all over his neck. And I think that was the hardest point of my whole journey and it wasn't because of the pain but it was because the enormity of what lay ahead of me just hit me in the face because I couldn't even stand up by myself. So the thought of, you know, learning to walk again, learning to run again, going back to work, having a family with my beautiful partner Michael, all of those little milestones were so far out of my grasp that they seemed insurmountable. And so I, I, I realized or I decided that I had to literally focus on taking, taking each day as it came and just focusing on, on getting through each day and not, not being too hung up on what my future might look like. Yeah. So bringing it really back to the present moment, right? Yeah. But I think, I think if you extrapolate that, you could do it for any big goal that you're, you know, whether you've got a goal in your business or you're training for a marathon or whatever it is to you, if you think about the whole task in its entirety, it it can be really overwhelming and it can make you want to quit before you've even started. So I really like to take a simplistic view and just 
kind of forget about the long game and just focus on what am I doing today that's going to move me closer towards my goal. And that's kind of what I've done throughout my whole journey. Mm -hmm. I love that, breaking it down. Because you're right, like if you have this big goal, for you it was learning to stand again. For some people it might be launching something in their business or another health goal or something to do with their relationships. And it can seem incredibly overwhelming when you look at this huge goal in front of you, but just breaking it down and going, okay, what do I need to do today? What do I need to do in this moment? Really breaking it down is such a powerful thing to move you toward your goal. Take us back to that moment where you were crying on the physio's shoulder. How did you move through that? Like, what was some of the mindset beliefs that you had to overcome? And how did you do that? Like, what were some of the tools that really helped you move through those tough times where I'm sure there were moments where you thought, oh my gosh, I want to give up. But how did you move through that? I, I think one of the main things I did was that when I felt like I wanted to give up, I accepted that feeling. So I think you know, so often if we feel like we want to give up, we tell ourselves, well, that that means you're not cut out for this goal. That means you're not cut out for this journey. But I think I think we need to embrace that feeling and accept it as part of as part of our growth. And I think with whatever we're trying to achieve in life, whether you're like you said, Melissa, whether you're working on something new in your business or you're sitting down trying to write a book, there will be moments along that journey where you feel like giving up where you feel like you're not cut out for it, where you feel like you're not smart enough or you're not good enough or whatever. And I think if we just accept it as part as part of the process of growth. And I think really if you're not if you're not stretching yourself and you're not trying new things and you're not trying to grow, then really you're stagnating at the same time. So on my journey, whenever I felt like giving up or whenever I felt really demoralized, I would say to myself, well it's it's pretty natural to rear. Like this is really, really tough what you're doing. Anyone else in this situation would feel the same. And if you feel like giving up, that's okay. You can have a break from physio. You can have a break from your exercises. You can have a break from the gym. You can go watch watch a funny series and you can get up tomorrow morning and try again. And so I guess it was almost a process of just trying to be trying to be kind to myself, trying to have empathy towards myself and recognizing that you don't you know you don't build Rome in a day you don't get from a to b overnight necessarily there's a lot of hard work and grind that goes on behind the scenes do you look back now to that time when you were crying and in the physio's arms and look at what you have achieved you know you had two pregnancies you're about to give birth again you compete in marathons look at what you have created like do you look back and just feel so proud of of yourself yeah but I think I think that's I think most people if they looked back on their lives and the things that they've achieved they'd feel proud of themselves as well but I think it just maybe it's a bit how our society is set up that we don't allow ourselves to reflect on our successes. We don't allow ourselves to reflect on our achievements. And we don't, you know, if you feel proud of yourself, then it's almost like you're 
you know, trying to big note yourself. But I think feeling proud of yourself and thinking, yeah, I've done something really cool and that's amazing. I think that's a really good mindset to have. Yeah. And celebrate these little things. Like today, my husband has just released his latest single, Breathe, which is so beautiful. And we both work from home and it's just us here, you know, and we could have both just gone and let this day pass and not celebrated the fact that he just released a song that he has been working on. He's poured his heart and soul into this song and it's released and we could easily not celebrate it, easily. But I believe we really do need to celebrate these little, not little things, but celebrate everything in life. You know, take the time to stop and pause and acknowledge yourself for what you've created and what you've achieved, no matter what it is. So today I just baked him his favorite chocolate vegan brownie. And, you know, I I just I just said this is to celebrate because we don't really buy things for each other. We don't really do that sort of thing. So I just said this is, you know, to celebrate and to say congratulations again on this big achievement. And he was like, thank you so much, darling. And, you know, men are a little bit different to women. Like he would probably just be totally fine if we didn't do anything. But I really wanted to acknowledge this milestone. So I think it's really important that we stop and we pause and we celebrate and all of the things that we do in our life, however big or small, even just, you know, placing your hands on your heart and just going, well done, like I'm so proud of you or something like that. It doesn't have to be something huge, just just stopping for one moment and acknowledging yourself. I think that's really important. Mm. Well, I think that's that's what they call savoring, isn't it? You know, and too often in life we achieve something really awesome and we go, cool, what's next? We, we set our sights immediately on the next on the next goal we've got for ourselves. And I think we, we really miss a crucial step in the process, which is, like you said, Melissa, you, just, you know, you stop in the moment, you reflect on what you've done, you allow yourself to be proud of that, you step outside that moment and you savour it and you relish in it and you try and just soak up soak up that feeling of success and achievement. I think that's really crucial, especially especially with our world today because, you know, I, I just said it before but I, I'll say it again. We, we, don't, we don't pay enough attention to stopping and celebrating our milestones or our successes or achievements. And I think that's really crucial. Mm-hmm. I totally agree with you. I used to be like that. I used to not celebrate. I used to literally be that person that would be like, next, okay, cool, ticked off that goal. Now what's next? I literally used to be that. And I really make a point of it now to celebrate mine and Nick's successes. You know, I did a TED talk for the first time in September last year and I had to fly to Melbourne for it. And I came back and I was like, what would you know, and I was here on my own, so I didn't have Nick to celebrate it with me. But I just went to the beach for the afternoon and I fell asleep on the beach reading a book. And I was like, this is like the way I want to celebrate this. And so it does, you know, it doesn't have to look like a certain way, just whatever feels good for you. And I think that's a really important piece to life. I think it's really important that we stop and we acknowledge. And something else that you said before that really hit home for me was this kindness and compassion piece. I think, you know, we live in a world today, like you said, that we can be really hard on ourselves. And it's about achieving and doing and next goal and next marathon and next this. And we can really beat ourselves up. I talk a lot about 
the inner mean girl. What are some of the things that your inner mean girl says to you and how do you move through them? Yeah, well, I think, you know, we're our own worst critics. That voice inside our head probably says some of the nastiest things to us that no one, no one would ever say to us. Oh, yeah. And my inner critic, I call it the inner critic, can be a real mouthy, nasty bitch if I let if I let her off the leash for too long. And so what I try to do is I if my inner critic is being really mouthy, I stop her and I say, How would you speak to your best friend? You know, if your best friend made a mistake at work and she called you up and she was upset, would you say to her, Yeah, you're an idiot. Of course you're gonna make mistakes because you never get anything right or would you have a little bit more compassion and be like, okay, mate, you did stuff up, but it's only one mistake. And like you said, your boss isn't that angry at you. Let's go out tonight. Let's go have a dinner together. And I'm sure this time next week, it'll all blow over. And so I think just having that little bit of compassion and empathy towards yourself and just talk to yourself like you would talk to your best friend. Mm, totally. Such a nice reminder. Or, you know, talk to yourself, you would a child, you know, like you would never say some of those things to your child or, yeah, your best friend, you would never. So I think that's really important. What would you say for someone who may be experiencing a challenge right now or some adversity right now? What would be your advice? Look, I think when you're going through the thick of adversity, it can be really hard for sure. But I would just say that there is light at the other end of the tunnel. And I would say not not to spend their energy focusing on what their future may look like. It would just to be focusing on on successfully getting through the day. Comes back to that one foot in front of the other as well, you know, just being present, being in the moment. Yeah. And and try and if you can like try and enjoy Try and enjoy your day. And if you can't enjoy the whole day, try and enjoy an hour. And if you can't enjoy an hour, that's fine too. Yeah. Bring it right back. And if you can't enjoy an hour, you know, try half an hour, try 15 minutes. And if the thought of enjoying it is too hard, well, just try surviving it. Just just try getting through it. Yeah. But I would I would definitely recommend to to them to to break it down. Don't spend all of their energy thinking about what the future is going to look like and just focus on getting through each day. And if that's too hard, just each hour. Mm, I love that. Breaking it down, just continuously bringing it back. I think I feel the most overwhelmed and stressed when I'm living too much in the future. When I'm projecting into the future, I'm worrying about something that hasn't even happened yet. That's when I feel the most stressed and the most overwhelmed. So whenever I do, like on Tuesday, I'm flying to America with Nick and I have the longest to-do list of things for work that I need to get done before then. But honestly, there is no point in me stressing about it and ruining the next four days before I go to America and ruining those days leading up to it. Like, you know what? It'll get done. And it can get done with ease and grace, but there's just no point in me stressing about it. But it's taken me a little while to get to that place. I used to constantly live in the future and be so worried and 
stressed over things that just hadn't even happened yet. Yeah, I, I think I think that's how we're all wired, but I don't think it's it's helpful or healthy or even that productive. And I'm I might be a bit simple in this way, but like if I'm doing something, that's all I can focus on. If I'm writing, you know, a bit for my new book, that's all I'm thinking about. I can't think too much about the future. I can't think about all the emails I'm getting. I can just sit down and write and do that for an hour and just do one thing at a time. That's how I I operate because I find when we've got all of these different projects going on, again, it's very easy to get overwhelmed. It's very easy for us to get confused. And it's very easy for us to become a bit highly strung as well. Mm-hmm. Totally. How has becoming a mother changed you? Look, I think it's changed me. I think it's changed me for the better. It's made me more caring, more compassionate, more selfless, more thoughtful. And, you know, if I think about Taria now as a mum, I definitely feel like I am an enhanced version. Like I like I like this Taria a lot. Oh, that's so beautiful. Yeah, and that's what I mean. I found it to be really beautiful. Having said that, I, I also want to recognise like I have a lot of help. I have a partner who's who's very supportive and very helpful. My mum lives down the road. My in-laws live five minutes away. So we do, we have a very good support system where we live and I think that that contributes a lot to how I feel as well because I know if it was, you know, let's say, Michael was going to work every day and it was me at home all day with with Hakawai and, you know, we didn't have any help from any friends or family, maybe Michael and I would find it more difficult. Mm. So important, that support piece. It's really important in all areas of your life, not just when you become a mum. You know, we used to live in tribes and communities and we're very much divorced from that these days. I think we spend more time with our devices than we do with people. So how would you suggest people kind of get more support or find their tribe? This is a question, honestly, I get asked so much by people. They're like, how can I find my tribe? I want to find a like-minded, supportive community of soul sisters. Like, where do I find them? So do you have any advice around that? I do, but I, I, I think to start with, I don't think you can get everything that you're looking for from the same people. I don't know if you follow Esther Perel's advice at all, but, you know, she talks about how we used to get all of the things we needed from a village and now we look for all of those qualities in our partner. So our partner has to be very sexy, a great lover, very funny, very supportive, make all the money, be a good cook, be a good listener and, you know, all of these different things that we might have gotten from a wide group of people, we're now expecting to get it from just the one person. Um, so I think I think with our support network, I think it's, you know, you can have your mates that you go to netball with and you have a great time with and you, you know, you like being fit with them and then you can have a couple of girlfriends that you get to talk about your business with and, you know, their business ideas that they're doing and what they're trying in their business. And, you know, you can have your girlfriends or your mates or your family that 
you really connect over cooking with and you share recipes with and you can have your partner who you get some stuff from but might not necessarily tick that long list of things that you need from other people. So I think it would be just maybe dropping that expectation that you'll find everything that you need from other people in the one person or in the, you know, the handful of people. That would be my advice. But I know, Melissa, you talk a lot about creating your tribe and finding your tribe. So what advice do you give? Yeah, firstly, I just want to say that is such important advice because I think a lot of us, women especially, you know, we think our partners are our business coach, our life coach, our health coach, our stylist, you know, we we want them to do everything. But yeah, you're really right there that, you know, we can't put that expectation and that pressure on them. At the end of the day, they're our lover, like they're the love of our life. And so, you know, having the friends and things like that to lean on when we need is really important. But the way that I always suggest people find a tribe or find more like-minded people is firstly, they could go where those people hang out. So say you want to surround yourself with more healthy people who love yoga and meditation and green juice, whatever it is, you would go to those places where those people hang out. So maybe yoga studios, Pilates studios, the organic cafe, you know, health festivals, those sorts of things. And then also online, you know, I think Instagram is an incredible way to meet people. I've met a lot of my friends on Instagram because, yeah, because a lot of the people that I follow are all health conscious. They're, you know, into the same sort of things as me. And, you know, we just connect and we chat and then you end up meeting in person and you end up realizing you have lots in common. So I think both on hang out where they hang out online and offline, and then also be the type of friend that you want to call into your life. You've got to radiate that first because then you will attract that into your life. So that's personally what I do. And then, you know, nurture those relationships. I think, you know, friendships, they need watering like a plant. If you want a plant to grow, you've got to water it. If you want a relationship to grow, you've got to water it. And I personally find that, you know, investing time into your friendships, this doesn't mean I'm not talking about 50 friendships, you know, just a couple of friendships then they're going to grow and that's a beautiful way to nourish your community, nourish your tribe and, you know, that's what I do. Mm. And I think as well, Melissa, you, you have to, you, you almost have to do the work and put yourself out there because, you know, you, you can't go to work, come home, watch Netflix, sit on the couch and then say, oh, there's no, there's no good men out there or... I, I, I can't seem to make any friends. You know, you, you, you have to do that uncomfortable stuff of going out on dates, going to a yoga studio opening that you might feel a bit awkward about, not just hanging on your phone the whole time and, and trying to have a conversation with someone. And, I, you know, personally, I don't – I find that stuff really uncomfortable and awkward and it's very easy for me to be at home all day I'm like you, Melissa, I work from home, I could be at home all day writing and not see anyone and I probably wouldn't feel that bad about that but I also know that it's it's detrimental not to have any face-to-face interactions with people and I really like what you said about investing in your friendships because I think that's so true and I think the same, the same can be said for our intimate relationships. 
I think so often, you know, there's this misconception that if you love someone, then that's then that's enough. I don't think it is. I think, yeah, you can love someone, but you've also got to be supportive. You have to ask them questions about how their day was. You have to celebrate their achievements. You have to be invested in their life and in their families and and in their friends. And I think all of those things you need to do for your intimate relationships and your, you know, and your friendships if you really want to nurture them and, and, and see them grow. Mm-hmm, totally. And I'm very similar to you in that sense. Like, there's sometimes days where I just only see my husband and then I'm like, okay, I need to get out of the house now. I need to go and interact with another human being because it does, it does fuel my soul. Like every time I walk away from an interaction, I'm just so lit up and it's so exciting and yeah, it feels, it feels good. And you're right. We do need to get outside our comfort zone a little bit because yeah, coming home and then just sitting on the couch and watching Netflix and then going, I feel so alone, but not willing to do anything about it. Yeah, you have to be willing to do that uncomfortable stuff, like going to a party and, and not really knowing many people there and having a couple of awkward, stilted conversations with people. But those conversations might lead to something or they might not. You know, that there's no guarantees, especially with relationships. But I think you have to be willing to to put in that work if growing your friendship base or deepening your relationships is is what you want to do. Yeah, exactly. If that's the phase that you're in in your life and that's what's lighting you up, then that's what you've got to do. I used to get so overwhelmed by big events. Like when I would go to events, I would get really bad anxiety. I would feel incredibly overwhelmed. Because I love one-on-one with people. Like I love very intimate time with people because I like to go deep. I don't love this surface level. Hey, how are you? Yeah, I'm good. And I feel like I can't go deep. So this is something that I do. Whenever I go to an event or anything where there's going to be people, I make a commitment to myself to just connect with one person and that's it. And really invest in that person and chat to that person. And I go, okay, I'm just going to go into this event and I'm just going to connect with one person. That's it. I don't have to talk to every single person in the room. I don't have to get around to every person. But often I make that commitment. I go in, I end up chatting to the most incredible person and having such a beautiful, deep, rich conversation. And I walk away and I feel really full as opposed to the events where I go to where I feel like I have to just talk to as many people like I've got a network or whatever and I walk away feeling a bit yucky like I haven't really made a connection with anyone and those times where I make that commitment I go in and I just chat so deeply to someone I feel so lit up so maybe you guys can try that too if you're like how I used to be and get a little bit overwhelmed by big events and big catch-ups with people, you could just try making a commitment to just chatting with one person and really connecting with one person. And then I think as well by having it in your head that, you know, all you need to do is connect with one person, that's that's kind of priming you, yeah, so that before you go to a party you've got, there's an outcome that you want from it and if you've got that in your mind then you're, 
when you talk to someone, it's not like you're brushing them off. You're you're kind of thinking, oh, maybe this could be my one person that I'm going to connect with at this party. Exactly. I have to interrupt this conversation to tell you about one of today's podcast sponsors, Blue Blocks. Now, if you follow me on social media, you will know that I love wearing my blue light blocking glasses every single day because they help alleviate digital eye strain, keep your hormones balanced, and help you get a deeper, more restorative sleep. I love Blue Blocks because they are backed by science and made in Australia, which means they are very high quality and not mass produced. All their glasses come in readers, prescription and non-prescription. And you can even send in your own frames and have them add their lens technology to your frames. And for every pair purchased, they donate a pair of reading glasses to Restoring Vision, who then gift them to someone in need in the developing countries. How awesome is that? So to get 15% off, head to blueblocks.com. That's B-L-U-B-L-O-X.com and enter the code Melissa at the checkout. Now let's get back to the conversation. I believe that we all have a different definition of success. Like everyone's definition of success is different to the next person. So I want to know what your definition of success is and what do you attribute to your success? I think a successful life is is one where we're, where we've got good, good connections and good re- relationships and when we are able to work on stuff that we find really meaningful to us. I think if you can do those things, then that paints a pretty good picture of success. And who I attribute my success to, I've always tried to surround myself with people who who believe in me, who are positive and who lift me up. So I definitely think people like that, like my mom and my partner, I think they've been really instrumental to my mm-hmm. success. And I also think if you've got a good work ethic and that you're not afraid of doing the work and you're willing to put in to put in the time and to put in the dedication, I think that will help you a lot as well. And I guess I've been fortunate that I've that I've had great people around me and I I've got pretty good work ethic as well. That if something needs to get done, I can I know that I can get it done. I can rely on my skill set and I can rely on myself to do that. Mm, So beautiful. Thank you for sharing. What's one thing that's bringing you the most joy in your life right now? One thing that's bringing me the most joy in my life right now, look, I'd I'd probably say my son Huckabye. Every morning when I wake up, I think to myself, what, what would one thing what what would be one thing I could do today which would make today great? And usually that one thing pertains to him. So this afternoon I'll go for a swim with him down the beach and yesterday it was swimming with him at the pool and I think it is a he's a good healthy dose of perspective for me and he reminds me that my life is bigger than just me now. And I think that I think that's really beautiful. Good for me to be reminded of that. Mm, totally. Nice little perspective shift. What are you working on or would like to improve within yourself at the moment? Look, I, I've had one baby and I think after I have a baby, I like to take a bit of um, 
time out from from goal setting and working on myself and and improving because I think it's a bit like that aspect of savoring or relishing in a goal. I, I I'm not sure if we necessarily need to be improving on something or working on something or striving for something all the time. I think there's space in our life to just kind of enjoy it and to just go with it and to take each day as it comes. And so this next baby I'm having is going to be born in a couple of weeks. So I think I'm just really looking forward to six months, you know, of just spending time with my family and really getting to know my new baby. Mm, That is so beautiful and such a good point. I feel like we definitely live in a culture where it's like more podcasts and more personal development books and more seminars and improve, 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 improve. And like, it can feel really exhausting. I had a friend the other day say that she just had to completely switch off from reading personal development books and attending the seminars and listening to personal development work. She was like, I just needed to go on a detox from it all and stop consuming content. And I just needed to be. And I think that's really important. And I personally can absolutely relate to that. I have been taking Saturdays and Sundays completely offline. And oh, babe, it has made such a difference. It has made such a difference. And just over the Christmas break, you know, taking a couple of weeks off, I was still, you know, checking social media and posting and things like that, but just taking a little bit of a step back, but completely having Saturday and Sundays off has been so powerful for me personally. And I just want to say if anyone is listening who does feel a little bit overwhelmed and like they're on that personal development, achievement, striving, got to fix and change and improve myself out of a place of fear, that little hamster wheel, then maybe just step back and take a little break from consuming content and just be, just live. Yeah, I think that's such great advice. And I think if you wanna if you wanna get up in the morning and you wanna write or you wanna create something, then that's fine. But you know, there's also I think there is space in our lives to not just cram it full of, you know, podcasts and learning and listening and improvement, but also spending some time in, you know, checking in with your friends, investing in your relationships, having fun, you know, writing if you feel like writing, but also just maybe just taking that that pressure off as well in that you don't have to get everything that you want to get done right now you know it doesn't all have to happen at once and 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 the truth is it's not going to happen all at once either so I think if we just take the take the pressure off yourself give yourself some space to breathe um and then just see what happens there I think that that's a really interesting perspective to take on it as well Absolutely. I had a mentor say to me about two or three years ago, he said to me, Melissa, you don't have to achieve everything this year, you know? And I, and I was like, but, but like, I have all these things I want to do. And he was like, but Melissa, you've got the rest of your life. You don't have to achieve everything this year. And it was such a perspective you know, shift for me. It really did help me because it took me out of the do, 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 achieve, achieve, achieve mode. And it just allowed me to kind of surrender and trust and know that everything I do want to do and achieve, it will happen when it's meant to happen. 
And you're right. We can't do and achieve everything in one day or one year, but we we can in our lifetime and just let go of wanting everything yesterday. I think that's a really important thing to mention. And also another thing you said is the play. Like play is one of my top priorities, but it hasn't been for so many years, but it is now such a priority for me. And Each day I make sure, you know, I do something that makes me feel playful. I'm very silly with my husband. Like I'm very, you know, we do such silly things, like even just dancing around the house and putting on music and just dancing and being so silly. But like that brings me so much joy. And I want to know what, what is play to you? Like what does play look like for you? I think play for me, and I I agree with you, Melissa, I think it is really important and I, I also think counterintuitively it it makes us more productive because if you're in a good mood you're happy you're full of energy you're going to get shit done a lot quicker than if you're feeling resentful stressed frustrated angry mad which is how a lot of us feel from time to time especially when we're sitting down at our desk all day and we're saying you know we have to do this right now it has to get done today it's it, it it's hard to be productive when you're in that kind of frame of mind. So for me, for for play or for fun, I love I love spending time with my son. I think there's probably nothing more playful or delightful than a toddler. It is challenging at times, but I think they're just inherently inquisitive and fun and curious and hilarious. So I think spending time with my son, spending time with my partner Michael, whether that's you know, going for a bushwalk or getting outside. And I also really love surfing and running, but I haven't been able to do those things recently because I'm very heavily pregnant. And I'd also say spending spending time with people who make you feel good. And again, it's not it's not easy to prioritize catching up with a friend for dinner because maybe you're tired and you've had a big day at work and you're on deadline and this is due and that's due and you're behind on your project. So it can be really easy to be, you know, to reschedule those things and be dismissive of the plans that we've made. But I think if you prioritise spending time with people who make you feel good, you're going to find that enjoyable and that's going to give you a better mindset going into whatever it is that you're working on at the moment. Mm, Absolutely, absolutely. Now let's pretend you have a magic wand and you could put one book in the school curriculum of every single high school around the world. Now, besides all of your incredible books, which I highly recommend that they be in the school curriculum, what is one other book that you would choose from a different author? Okay. Well, I know you said I can't choose my own books, but I did. I I wrote a book for kids and teens called Good Selfie. It came out last year. I'm, I'm really enamored with the book. I believe it's helped so many people out there. I've got emails and messages and and Instagram DMs from kids and teens who've said that they've used what I wrote in the book and they've applied some of the strategies I outlined and how it really helped them, you know, overcome a tough time at school or get more confidence or go go and achieve a really big goal for themselves. So I know I can't submit that as my answer, but I think <laughs> there was one book that would be on the curriculum it would be this really great book called The Map That Changed the World and it's about 
the first geological map that was ever created. And I think that's a really good book to have in the school curriculum because it gives you a bit of an understanding about the natural history and geology of the earth. And I'm a mining engineer. I love geology. And it was just a book that I found really fascinating. Oh, beautiful. We'll link to that in the show notes as well as all of your incredible books. And thank you so much for sending me the good selfie. I loved it. I think it's such an important book and such a beautiful book. So thank you for writing that and sharing that with the world. Now, I would love to hear about how your day looks. Like, do you have any success habits, a morning routine? Do you meditate? Can you kind of talk us through a standard day in your life? Mm. I mean, before I had Huckabye, I would wake up early and I would use that time to do any work that required a lot of energy and deep thinking work. So like writing, for example, would would tick those boxes. Now that I have a small hurricane to look after, (sighs) my mornings look very different. But one thing I I do in the mornings is something that I don't do and it's I I don't look at my phone. As soon as you pick up your phone, you just, you get sucked into this vortex of, you know, emails and text messages and social media notifications and all of a sudden that, that precious time first thing in the morning is diverted away to other people's priorities and other people's needs and what other people need from you as opposed to what it is that you want from your day. So I like to make a coffee, sit down, play with my son. I like to do a little gratitude practice where I think of, three things that I'm really grateful for that day and I normally think of an opportunity which today was I went and saw my obstetrician and I thought you know we live in a really awesome country where we have highly trained medical professionals that we are able to go and see because the majority of the world they don't have that opportunity at all. Um, A relationship so I was grateful to my mum because she had our son Huckabye today while we went to our obstetrician appointment and also something tangible. And so I'm reading a really good book at the moment. Have you read Have you read Burial Rights by Hannah Kent? I haven't. Is it amazing? It's good. Well, it's fiction, so it's not personal development or anything like that. So I'm enjoying it as a bit of a, as a, bit of a break. It's about an Icelandic murderess. So it's really good. And so I was grateful to that book because it, you know, it had me up late last night reading it and I woke up this morning thinking about it. And I really like it when a book can engage you so much. So I've got my son, I'm watching him play. I think about what it is that I'm grateful for. And then I just ask myself, what, what would be one thing I could do today that would make today great? And then I think by focusing on that, it allows me to not only look forward to something in the day, but also at the end of the day when I reflect on it, I remember that that moment of something that I looked forward to. So for me today, that's going to be going down the beach with my son after this interview. But other days it's, you know, calling a good mate, checking in on them, working uninterrupted on a new chapter of my book, whatever it is, I try and focus on it and it, it almost primes me for the day. Mm, I love that. Yeah. I love it. Yeah, that's beautiful. Thank you so much for sharing. I love it. I don't really meditate. You don't? Okay. Have you ever? No, but I find running to be meditative. Mm. I find the rhythm of going for a run to be relaxing 
and stress reducing. And so I find I almost go into not a trance, but I, I feel like that's my meditation. But I don't know. Do you meditate every morning? Yeah, for me, it is. Yeah, I know what you mean because my husband also feels that same thing when he surfs, but he meditates as well. But I get that same feeling that you're talking about, like that trance feeling when I meditate. And yeah, it's the first thing I do in the morning. And I just love it. I absolutely love it. It just really helps me. And I used to have very bad anxiety and depression and panic attacks. And it has helped me so much. And I've been doing it now for seven years. And I've been doing it twice a day, every day, 20 minutes in the morning, 20 minutes in the afternoon. And it's just, it's really been so supportive for me. So I'm just going to keep doing it, you know? Yeah. I mean, if it's working for you, then, and you're enjoying it. Yeah. Then that's awesome. Absolutely. I, I think with a lot of people, they, because I'm not sure that we can all enjoy everything. No. And I, I think especially when it comes to looking after our health, I know a lot of people feel like, well, they hate going to the gym, but they go because they think it's good for them. But I think if, you know, we're all so busy. If you're, if you're going to hate that hour in the morning, if you're going to hate that hour in the evening and you're going to resent it and not look forward to it, I'm not sure if that's the best possible use of your time. You know what I mean? So I always think, well, if you don't like going to the gym, try something else. Go for a surf. Go for a bushwalk and try that instead. Totally. Life is too short and precious and sacred to do things that do not light you up. And so if they're, if going to the gym does not light you up but going for a hike does, then go for the hike, you know? Yeah. Exactly. I used to be like that. I used to flog my body at the gym and hate it and just do it because I thought I should. And now there's nothing I do that I hate. I just I just don't anymore. I, I think that life is just too precious and too short and too sacred to do anything that you dread. Yeah, I agree. So I've got three rapid fire questions for you now. Are you ready? Go for it. Rapidly fire them off, Melissa. <laughs> What is one thing that we can do today for our health? I think it would be acknowledge that if you don't like something and you're not enjoying it, to try something else because there might be some other activity out there that you might actually really, really like and enjoy and it might bring you a lot of joy. Beautiful. What's one thing that we can do for our wealth, so more abundance in all areas of our life? I think. I'm going to talk specifically about our finances. I think it's very tempting to stick our head in the sand and not not really track where our money's going or what it's doing. But I think if we want to have a really good handle on it, we need to know how it's being spent, where it's going, and what what it is that we are actually doing with it. And if anyone wants to improve their finances, I would highly recommend Scott Pape's the barefoot investor. I think his style is really, really easy to digest, really, really simple and straightforward to follow. Oh, his books are incredible and they're so funny. I love the way he writes. Yeah. And it's like, it's so simple, but I think it that sort of stuff should be, you mm-hmm. know. He makes money and finances digestible and funny. 
Yeah, and easy, like exactly. Exactly. Yeah, and we'll link to his books in the show notes. I've actually been trying to get him on the podcast for years but he is so busy. So Scott, if you are by any chance listening to this, I'd really, really like you to come on my show. We love you, Scott. (laughs) We do. Everybody loves him. I think he's such a legend. I just would love to hang out with him. I think he'd be so cool. Yeah. And I reckon he'd be cool too. And like, he's got like a Kelpie, which is even cool. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. And the final rapid fire, what is one thing that we can do for more love in our life? One thing we can do to get more love in our life, I think, is in, is investing, so spending time and energy on relationships, not any relationships, but on relationships and people that make us feel good about being ourselves. Yes, I love that. It's so important so important because we can waste so much time trying to impress other people and trying to fit in and change ourselves. But, oh my gosh, it's exhausting. Yeah, it is. It is. It's it's actually like pushing shit uphill. So if 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 you try and change your mindset and think, well, who makes me feel good about being myself and being me and then spending time and energy on that person, I think people will be blown away by how amazing their life becomes. Absolutely. And it feels good to be in the presence of friends who fully accept you. It's a different energy to being in the presence of people where you feel judged or criticized for every little thing that you do or you say. Being in the presence of people who just fully accept you, it's it's like you can completely let your guard down and you can be your true authentic self. Yeah, and you're, um, I'm guessing, Melissa, you're probably like that with Nick. Oh, for sure. Yeah, and that's that's really awesome. I'm like that with my partner, Michael, too. Yeah, and I'm trying to be, you know, I'm very mindful. I'm, you know, wanting to be like that with my friends as well and just be my full, true, authentic self in every situation. You know, one of my friends once said to me a few years ago, I want to be the same wherever I am. You know, wherever I am, I want to be the same me and not change depending who's in the room, you know, and I thought that was a really beautiful thing. Mm, Yeah. They're great tips. Thank you so much, honey. Now, is there anything else that you want to share, anything that I didn't ask you about that you wanted to talk about or any last parting words of wisdom? No, I think you were a very thorough interviewer, Melissa. (laughs) Thank you. You covered all bases. Oh, thank you, my love. It has been such a pleasure having you on the show. And thank you so much for not only sharing your wisdom today, but for all the work that you do in the world. Your Instagram is hilarious. And you are such a shiny light and such a beautiful example to so many people. And you give so much, your books, your programs, your talks, everything you do, you give a lot and you serve a lot. So I want to know what I personally and the listeners can do to serve you today. How can we give back to you? Look, I think if if people follow me on Instagram and they like my style, one thing that they could do is just join my weekly letter. I, I personally sit down and write a letter once a week. I send it out over email and you can sign up. You can go to terepitt.com forward slash letter and join everyone else who's on the list. 
Oh, that's awesome. We will definitely do that. And we can put a link in the show notes to that so people can go and get on your newsletter. And I just wanted to say it's been an absolute pleasure getting to know you over the last couple of years. It's been a real pleasure to sit and share a meal with you and to work with you in our doTERRA team. And it's just been such a pleasure to get to know you and your team on a deeper level. You are such a big-hearted, beautiful person, and I've absolutely loved connecting with you and so grateful that our paths have crossed. Oh, thank you, Melissa. Right back at you, and I hope you have a very fun and enjoyable weekend before you go to America. Yes, and good luck with the birth of baby number two. I cannot wait to see photos, my love. (laughs) Thanks so much, mate. I appreciate it. Wasn't that awesome. She is such an inspiration, such a beautiful human being. I love and adore every interaction that I have with her and I got so much out of today's episode. And if you did too, please subscribe and leave me a review in iTunes or on your podcast app because that means that we can inspire and educate even more people together. And it also means that you could be the review of the week for next week, which is pretty awesome. And don't forget to email me a screenshot of your review to hello at melissarambrosini.com. And as a little thank you gift, I want to send you my wildly wealthy meditation. Don't forget to also come and follow me on Instagram at melissarambrosini and tell me your top key takeaways from this episode. I absolutely love reading them all. So please come and share. And for everything that Turi and I mentioned in today's episode, you can check out in the show notes. And that's over at melissarambrosini.com forward slash 283. And you can also listen to all my other episodes there too. And before I go, my darling, I just wanted to say thank you so much for being here, for wanting to be the best, the healthiest and the happiest version of yourself and for showing up today for you. You rock. I hope you really know that and I hope you really feel that. And now if there's someone in your life that you can think of that would really benefit from this episode, please share it with them right now. You can take a screenshot, you can share it on your social media, you can email it to them, you can text it to them. Do whatever you've got to do to get this in their ears. And until next time, don't forget that love is sexy, healthy is liberating, and wealthy isn't a dirty word.